What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Embarrassing loss by the Philadelphia Eagles, 32-9. To the Buccaneers, we'll have all those reactions. And we'll have Chuck from Mount Airy, 1230, the most polarizing uh, person, I believe, in Philadelphia, uh, if you look at any comments underneath the tweet. Insane reaction to it. So I'm excited to that. We're going to let him cook. We're going to let him cook for about 30 to 45 seconds. I, I think, well, you know what? We end up, might have to hang up on him, too, which he should know all about that. Kinker, how are we doing today? All right, man, I'm a little flustered. There's just a lot going on. Oh. Yeah, I'm just working on, like, five different stories at once. It's hard to concentrate. Well, know? Do I have your full attention for the next hour? Maybe hour. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I have like a like a whiteboard here with like stories to follow on it. I have like ten things written on there, and I can't like focus on any one of them. I get like a like bits and pieces of this one, then something else on another one, and then like you know Spike Eskin is coming back to WIP. There's too much shit to keep track of, man. You know, got Embiid dropping forty one on the Nuggets. It's a lot. It's good. It's a good. Um, it's a good problem to have, as they say. So. Yeah, yeah, hey, it's a good, it's exactly, it's a good problem to have. What is not a good problem to have is the fact that the Eagles got embarrassed. Um, Baker Mayfield did exactly what I was worried about. He, was dro- he would unleash his third leg, and uh, that's what he did. So 24 hours after the loss, how are we feeling from one of the most embarrassing playoff losses since you've been alive? You know, it's funny because I sat uh, sat here on Monday and said that I thought the Eagles were going to play hard and just not win the game, you know, but they would give the effort. And, um, you know, investor Jeff uh, was in my mentions about halfway through the game, and he said, you know, Kinker, I thought you said that they were going to come out and try hard in this game. And, uh, like, I have to be honest with you, I really um, – I think they actually did try. I just think that they okay. just weren't, weren't that – I like where you're going with that. Yeah. Because I did, I, I, I did go back and I watched the highlights. It was sixteen to nine. From I had it here. Yeah. It was sixteen to nine from five minutes left in the second quarter to hurt safety with two minutes left to go in the third. So like I, th- I know the defense is obviously going to get the brunt of it because um, it was just so egregious. Um, there's they could have easily put up forty five on the birds with all the dropped uh, touchdown passes that they uh, that the Buccaneers had. Uh, the tackling was abysmal. Um, the play calling was obviously terrible, but but the defensive line was was getting home to Baker Mayfield uh, a lot. And like I said, from from five minutes left in the second quarter to to two minutes left in the third before the safety, they they were in that game and they were still kind of in the game on that fourth and five 50-50 ball to to Devonte Smith from Hertz on the seventeen. Like they were never really out of the game. I think it just snowballed so quickly and it looked so ugly the way it played out that like. It's kind of tough to to talk about like it's it's, it's kind of tough to give the the defense their flowers. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, so. I have the observations column pulled up here. What I wrote um, at number twenty one was uh, quote Say what you will about the defense, but they forced three straight punts with huge third down sacks. They had three straight stops with sacks too. Yeah. It wasn't that they got three straight holds. I mean, like that Milton Williams sack got them out of pushed them out of field goal range. They had three. They forced three straight punts with huge third down sacks after conceding on the first four possessions. They tightened up and kept this game close while the offense was dicking around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, you know, it was – you're right. It was 16-9. to nine. The Eagles had the ball with like a minute something left at the end of the first half, which was a weird drive because it seemed like they weren't really sure 
if they wanted to try to go for it or not. That was when Britton Covey dropped the ball and they got they got it on like the you know what was it like the seven or eight yard line or something like that, and they kind of moved up the field a little bit. And it, it seemed like they weren't sure if are we going to go for it or are we just going to get the halftime here. But you knew they were coming coming out of halftime with the ball anyway. And those three drives, um, you know, when they came out of halftime were pitiful, you know, but, but I don't, so, so my, my thing is like, I think the defense had its moments in this game and the offense was shit throughout. Um, but I just don't, I honestly think it wasn't an effort thing. I just think that they were that bad. Um, really? Maybe there was a little bit, maybe after Jalen took the safety, maybe there were guys on the defense who were like, all right, fuck this. I mean, if they're not going to do anything now, then, you know. There are there are there are fractions in this team. And I think it 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 goes above like just personnel. Someone did something to someone. And I'll speculate on that. I don't know what the McLean report's gonna be. I don't know what the Schefter report or maybe someone else reports it out of nowhere. Something happened with this team. I know we were winning games against Kansas City, against the Bills. Uh, against the Cowboys at home, and they were close, and they didn't look great and everything. If you if you took this team from week 10 to week 13 and you had the Buccaneers in that little threshold, they would have blown this team out. Something happened from 14, week 14 to week 18 that, like, I don't know if we'll ever get the real story. Because, again, if they, they were winning ugly – but they were beating good teams. I mean, they beat the Bills, and each team's season went opposite ways after it. The Bills are now the second seed. The Eagles are out of the playoffs. They're hosting Kansas City. They even beat Kansas City, and Kansas City came on at the uh, at the end of the year. Something something went wrong this year, and I don't know if it if it was just bad coaching. I I, I mean, the coaching was so bad, but I don't know if it was. Uh, it was only bad coaching. I'm looking forward to the potential rumors that come out. Well, I mean, it's that's why it's hard to do these kind of like couple days after these like season ending losses where like the radio stations and other media outlets are like, well, you know, would you think they'll fire Sirianni? But like, fuck if I know. I have no clue. You know, like I'll be straight up honest. I don't know what Jeffrey Lurie is thinking. So you kind of look at instead of like just open ended like topics on these things, you kind of ask yourself what we can talk about like what do we know what are we able to confirm one thing we're able to confirm is that the sean desai thing was a disaster mm-hmm. obviously that did not work right um say what you will about what was happening with them at that point but you know sean desai's defense pitched a second half shutout in kansas city you talk about drop passes and whatever i mean of course the other team's gonna have something to do with it that's that in hindsight was something they didn't have to do um, we all knew that they were winning close games and maybe they weren't the team everybody thought they were. Maybe they themselves knew that, you know, but I mean, to me, like when I, when I look back at that game, you know, there was a sequence where they had a, um, I wrote about it on the site yesterday, that like perimeter screen that they threw to Dallas Goddard where Julio Jones got tangled up with him. They like bumped into each other. He wasn't even ready to receive the ball. Camp Jurgens is two yards downfield. Ineligible. How are you an ineligible man downfield on a on a bubble screen? You know the the fundamental stuff that you know as an instance combined with you know the third and two play where AJ Brown and or uh, sorry Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard were like five feet away from each other. And I know that they said after the game that there was a miscommunication there or whatever, but still the the snapshot of Jalen Hurts looking at an empty middle of the field while he's got guys bearing down on him. 
So it's the same stuff. You have instances of the same stuff that was happening to them week after week after week with no solutions to it. Yeah. So to me, that says coaching more than anything. I know people were crafting these kind of Jalen Hurts has regressed things. That's a hard take for me to get behind because, I, I, you know, I don't think it was is 10% of that as much as it was coaching, coaching malpractice on a lot of these things that were obvious and like right in front of our face, you know? Yeah, I think everyone, we're going to spend the offseason being like Jason, uh, Jalen Hurts regressed. Jalen Hurts isn't good anymore. But I think if you're saying that, you're just looking for a hot take, honestly. Like I saw someone say he wasn't going to be the Eagles quarterback in 2026, which is absolutely insane to me to make that kind of prediction, unless he's like got Wentzian level of injuries that he's just, you know, a shell of his former self. Now, does he have to do more things like, you know, decision making got to get a little better? Ball security's got to get a little better, of course. But like we saw what he's like when he has an efficient offensive coordinator. I mean, second in MVP voting last year. Like, do I think he's a top five quarterback? Probably not. Do I think he can win a game by himself based on his talent? I don't. I think he's a product of who you put around him and who you put around him on the coaching angle as well. So I think right now for next year, this is probably how he's like biggest off season since since 2020 because he's going to catch he's going to catch all the flack if they're not because he's going to hire the coordinators and if they can't find someone that's going to make Jalen better then uh I think we could we could be looking at potentially the last season of uh of Howie Roseman can I go through some of these bullets um from the takeaways because they're short and I think there's to react to for sure um First of all, Tampa had like two, what I thought were like two drop touchdowns. Number three, Mike Evans completely cooked James Bradbury on the second Tampa drive, just dropped a touchdown. Avante Maddox and Eli Ricks running into each other uh, on the David Moore touchdown. Hideous tackling there. There was a hold on that that nobody, uh, that they had no in- interest in calling either. I mean, not to be that guy, but two guys are being held, <laughs> just dragged to the ground right there. So it's not- and then, you know, furthermore, you could talk about the Jalen Hurts face mask not non-face mask call on the on the tush push which um you know ultimately it's not you know that wouldn't have mattered for anything in the end but um you know you could have thrown a thrown a flag for that um let me see what else i got here um dallas goddard had the drop on the third and two on the second drive right um did you see nolan smith stick his foot out and like try to trip the dude Does he, th- he knows that's illegal right yeah it's like a 10 yard pen- i think they increased it to a 15 yard penalty actually <laughs> i don't um, know if he knows but- it's illegal <laughs> but I don't even know if that like he didn't think he could get there. He stuck a foot out, but the foot wasn't even close to trying to trip the guy anyway. Um, what the hell was that? Yeah. Um, with AJ Brown out, Devontae Smith got zero first quarter targets. Finally got him involved in the second quarter. So he had a hundred. What do you have? 148 in this game? He had 148 oh, in three quarters. Without Devontae Smith, this game is even worse than it was, and they only scored nine points. <laughs> Bradbury was pulled for Keely Ringo in the first half. Uh, everybody took notice of that. He did come back, and it was in the fourth of fifth Tampa series. I saw him out there during the fifth series. He may have been out there for the fourth. Uh, first and ten, let's throw a perimeter screen to Quez Watkins in a playoff game. Why? Um, did, well, do you disagree with this, or does anybody in the chat disagree with this, with the way the season turned out, Jake Elliott's team MVP? How could he not be? I'm Who else are you going to give it to? Uh, number 11 was one of my favorite ones. Did you notice on the Baker Mayfield run that Eli Ricks could not shed the block of a guy who wasn't even facing him? I need to find this video because I didn't say it. <laughs> God, it's it's out there somewhere if Craig wants to find it and queue it up later. But like it looked like the guy was boxing him out almost like it was like a like they were going for a rebound or something. And uh, 
you know, Rick's kind of, it's kind of a tough assignment because Baker Mayfield gets into the flat. It's like, you know, you step up, you leave your guy. Okay. He's just tossing it to him. Right. You're kind of like, you know, fucked if you do fucked if you don't. But when he was clearly past the threshold for, for throwing, Rick's could not shed that block and not get around that guy at all. And Mayfield was like not even touched for, for eight yards or something like that. Um, if the Tampa receivers could catch the ball, this game would have been over three minutes into the second quarter. That's also agree. True. Um, Keep scrolling down, Craig, if you don't mind. Fire the fucking bubble screen into the sun. They can't run a pro. Okay, so this was kind of weird. So after that, play, <laughs> after that play, they came back two plays later and they threw a double move to the left, which I thought was perfect. And I'm like, surely they weren't you know, using the perimeter screen to try to set up this double move on the left side. Of course, that was Julio Jones' last action as a Philadelphia Eagle because he was concussed on the play. Um, the only like positive thing that I even pulled from this game was the touchdown that they scored that like you know dallas got a pre-snap motion coming across the formation where they do the like the fake pool rpo and they just do like the three yard toss for him mm-hmm. that's like the one play that's been money for them all year long you know it's been like the only thing that's working um yeah i don't know <laughs> it's a lot it was a lot of that you know um just a lot of the same you know so after the game obviously um there's reports out there from adam Schefter that uh, jason kelsey talked to the uh, to the guys Said that he was retiring. Uh, Craig, if you could throw up that clip that we have in the in the documents, um, this is what he said on his uh, podcast today um, that he hasn't made a decision. But I think uh, we can react to it after after Craig pulls it up. He says one second, so let me yeah. vamp right here. Well, so um, the, yeah, I mean, so right, Shafter came out after the game, and here we go. He was, oh, here we go. Right. You know, Nick kind of gave me an opportunity to talk. I didn't announce what I was doing on purpose, despite. I guess it's been leaked to the media. I just don't think you're in a position after a game like that to really make that decision. I just don't. There's too much emotion in the moment to really fully grasp that decision. I'm not trying to be dramatic and continue to draw this thing out. I'm really not. It's just something that I think, uh, you know, when it's time to officially announce you know, what's happening in the future, it'll be done in a, in, in a way that's, you know, definitive and pays respect to a lot of people and uh, individuals that have meant a lot to me and has led to the career I've had. You know, I don't think that it would be uh, respectful or even accurate uh, to be able to do that right after a game like that. Yeah. But I did address the team and pretty much said the same thing that, I just said to you, which is, you know, I got belief in every single one of you guys, you know, cherish the moment you have in this league. A lot of guys like, you know, if that is your last game, I feel sorry for you. I'm like, you know, feel sorry for me, motherfucker. <laughs> <I had> a- <laughs> yeah. He's an emotional bear, this guy. Works though, man. I mean, people, people buy that, you know, we don't, we don't live in a world anymore where you're like, <clears throat> yeah. you know, seen to be like some pussy because you're emotional mm-hmm. or you, or whatever. You know, I think people respect that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's done. He's done. I, uh, I f- fuck Adam Shafter and I know, you know, that's his job and everything. And I don't know who he talked to and everything probably was Howie, but fuck Adam Shafter for not letting him do it on his own. Um, this, this, this constant society of needing to be first is kind of bullshit in my mind. Um, I've been, I've been wrong in, in wanting to do it. I'm sure you've been wrong in wanting to do it before. But it's you know it, it sells and it gets it gets page views and clicks and stuff. So I understand why it's uh, why it's profitable. So, but fuck Adam Schefter for doing that. Um, on the other topic. hand, but, but real quick, I mean that's a good. I mean it's an interesting topic of like, would you extend that to, 
you know, a retirement's one thing. Re retirement's a big deal, like a huge announcement for somebody to make. You know, you could make an easy argument to lay hands off that and let that person kind of yeah. own that moment. Yeah. Would what, you say the same for somebody announcing like a free agent decision that they've that they've made? I mean, would you extend it to that too? Like, why are people scooping these guys on on everything? You know. No, I, I think the free agent thing is differently because I think it's their agents. The guys' agents are typically the ones who give those guys the uh, the money. So it, it it helps affect. It helps put more money in somebody's pocket and has a uh, it has a monetary value to it. Whether Adam Schefter has the retirement news or not, how beneficial is that? Then he's just going to go right. tweet about you know how many viewers watched Peacock this uh, this weekend or something like that, or how many how many players how many people watched the Monday Night Football game and stuff. So I don't know. It kind of feels dirty in a way to do retirement news, unless the guy obviously uh, unless the guy obviously goes to you and be like, hey, you know, so and so is retiring. But this one felt like if you listen to the podcast, um, the quote was a little bit deeper. Uh, it seemed like he wasn't too happy that it was leaked to the media. Yeah, um, EJ says that you're shitting on Big J journalism again, but I think that's a good take for you, right? I don't know what the, I don't know how much that benefits Adam Schefter, you know, scooping a guy mm -hmm. on his own retirement. You know, we've had that come up before. Like we knew that Ray Dinger was leaving, right? But what, what are we gonna? Mm -hmm. why are we and people have gotten mad at us. We scooped, we scooped moves all the time. We scooped uh, mm -hmm. uh, Inquirer moves. We scooped uh, Radio Wars moves and stuff, and uh, and people do get mad about that stuff. Um, so maybe but we do leave, but we do leave like retirements alone normally. And like when those guys were, when all the old white guys were getting bought out at the inquire, like we left that stuff alone. So we do have some standards. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to us for having some standards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's gone. Um, I just felt like he wanted to, you know, he just wanted to prepare a statement, whether he's going to release it on his podcast, whether he's going to release it in front of the, the Eagles media and stuff. I just think he wants to, you know, thank Howie. He wants to thank Jeffrey. He wants to thank, uh, Jeff Stoutland. He wants to thank, you know, all the guys that he's played with and everything and just do it kind of the way Jason Kelsey wants to do it. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, I think if you watch that video, you know, where his heart is. I, I can't believe he's going out like this. I, I am shocked by that. Um, because I'm like, yo, dude, go drink your beers in Sea Isle, go fucking live it up for the summer, come back to training camp whenever you want, man. Like, if you come in the middle of August, is anyone gonna care? Probably not, as long as you stay in a little bit of shape and stuff. So, if I had to guess, I think he'll be, I think he'll be on the sidelines next year, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's an advisor. I don't think this is the last of Jason Kelsey on the sidelines, but we'll see. I wouldn't even be surprised if he slid into, you know, media tomorrow, you know, or the day after he makes his official announcement or whatever. I mean, I think that's probably inevitable. Um, I don't, you know, it's it's funny. I, I know people say like that's a bad way to go out or whatever, but a lot of guys don't go out on top. How many people, how many guys go out on top, you know, Any, anyway, not a lot, you know, yeah. or how many people even <clears throat> get to go out um, of their own choosing? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, you know, like when I work, <laughs> Well, it's kind of a random example, but when I was at uh, Channel Three, Pat Chiraki, it was like a thirty-year veteran. She did the uh, the Pope visit when the Pope came here, because she's like a big, you know, she's a Catholic woman, right? Mm -hmm. It was a big deal for her. And then she like left the station right after the Pope thing. Now talk she about going, talk about going out on top, right? Yeah, but like others were, you know, Beasley. They met him at the door, and the, or the, the, you know, you know, laid, laid these guys off, and they didn't have mm -hmm. a, you know, get get a farewell or anything like that, you know. True. So. Fair. The alternative is like what you, you know, I'm just glad that Jason kind of, it seems like he realizes it himself and it's not going to be um, what I think would be disappointing if is, is if it became like a Jason Peters situation, you know, which yeah. it will not, 
but uh, you know, I mean, maybe you know, Brandon Graham's talking about wanting to do a uh, what was that quote that he what he said about doing a retirement tour, or like doing he wants to do a retirement year? tour. And uh, I don't, I, I looking back on the free agents that uh, Adam Schefter put up, there's like 20 of them, and you wrote this story on the site, like you could probably make a case for two of them, and it'd be like Rick Lovato and, and Braden Mann, which is not good. <laughs> two special teams, I know, but it's actually that's I guess that's that's kind of good because here are the Eagles' free agents, the key ones. Okay, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Marcus Mariota, DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott, Zach Cunningham, Justin Evans, Shaq Leonard, Apita, Rashad Penny, Zacchaeus, Nick Morrow, Albert O, Brandon Mann, Jack Driscoll, Sean Bradley, Quez Watkins, Jack Stoll. So you got a couple backup tight ends. You got a couple special teams players. You got, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you got DeAndre Swift. And how he doesn't pay running backs, like he doesn't pay linebackers. So I don't see really DeAndre Swift coming back here because I think he will get paid and he'll probably probably get paid a nice little handsome amount, even though he wasn't really utilized this year. Um, which also brings me back to the fact that, like, I know we're down on the Eagles right now, but they still won 11 games. And this is 11 games and they've lost five of the last six. Like, I, I don't think next year is like an eight and nine year. Like I think how he can revamp the defense, and I think the offense is is pretty much where it should be right now. Um, you're obviously going to have to plug and play some people. You know, all pro center leaving sucks, but you hope Cam Jurgens can switch over. You hope Tyler Steen might be able to uh, take the next step. Then you got Landon, and you got Lane and uh, and Jordan Mailata on the end. So like your your offense is kind of kind of there. Like. So I don't think this is like some 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 major revamp. We're not talking about like Carson Wentz in that four and twelve. 2020 2021 season and you know it's just yeah. a total rebuild um do you think that's fair you know you think like uh they could turn this around win 11 12 games next year or, or are you looking sky's falling no i mean i i think the bigger issues are on the within the coaching staff right um you know the offensive pieces are pretty much there for the most part a couple tweaks you know defense they got to figure they got they need two linebackers they need three linebackers really depending on what nicobe dean is and I think the biggest concern is probably James Bradbury falling off a cliff and that contract he gave him and Slay. I don't know if anybody, you know, what, what his deal is. But um, you know, the Fletcher Cox thing is interesting because um it seemed like Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis ran out of steam a little bit, you know, towards the end. So if Fletcher Cox leaves, you've got those two, and you got Milton Williams, Marlin Tui Pelotu, right? You know, so I, I don't I'm not sure, you know, philosophically they they you know, put a lot of value into that position and maybe that influences Fletcher Cox coming back again. But uh, it's just kind of crazy to me how casual I I feel and how everybody feels about DeAndre Swift. I mean, he finished this year with career highs, 1,049 yards, uh, five touchdowns, not a career high, but I mean, he ran for the most yards. He played the most games, most attempts. I mean, he, he cleared his attempts uh, previous high by like 80 here and he's a pro bowler. I mean, he's 24 years old. When you think about how casual we all are about that, it, j- it just speaks to me about the value of the running back position in the in the league now. That you know, 10, 15 years ago, if we had a Pro Bowler who was a 1,000 yard rusher, wouldn't we all be jumping jumping at the thought of bringing DeAndre Swift back? I just feel totally like lukewarm on that, just because I feel like you can find that person anywhere now. You know, um, just a guy. Running backs are just guys. So did my Rashad White take pan out, or did it not pan out? I think it was it was kind of like uh, right in the middle. I think he had like what seventy six yards rushing. So I guess you kind of hit right in the middle there. Um, okay. I think anyone could have ran for seventy six yards that game. Uh, I feel yeah, like they're ripping off. Yeah. 
they were ripping off like four or five yards of carry. It felt like, especially in the first quarter, first half. Um, Eagles one of the Eagles one of the worst tackling one of the worst tackling teams I've ever seen. You know, in like, in like 30, 30 some years watching watching this team, just like, so where, just so, terrible. So where are you at on Nick? He's meeting with Jeffrey Lurie today um, for his, for an exit interview. Obviously, it probably wouldn't be news unless Doug Peterson also didn't meet with Lurie on his exit interview and then ended up being fired out of nowhere. Um, do you think he's he's back next year? Because the shots of of Jeffrey Lurie in the uh, in the in the box was you could uh, you could turn people to stone with those kind of looks. This is an oversimplification, but when they were really good last year and they went to the Super Bowl, what did they have that they don't have this year? I don't know if it's a, a, good, a good offensive coordinator and play caller, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if Sirianni was hands off last year and he wasn't calling the plays and Shane Steichen was was doing it and he was that good, then couldn't we talk ourselves into just firing Brian Johnson and keeping Sirianni in place and just replacing both of the coordinators instead? Jalen Hurts's uh Jalen Hurts's answer was icy. His uh his answer about uh how much confidence he has in in uh Nick Sirianni, it was a lot different than Dak Prescott's answer when he was asked about Mike McCarthy. Uh that was that was uh I think that was a little telling. You know what too? It's a weird coach market. Um oh yeah, you Craig, if you want to go ahead and play those, you can go ahead and play. Yeah, so here uh, here's uh Jalen's answer to to when he was asked, Do you yeah. think Nick Sarah is back? I didn't know he was going anywhere. I know I didn't I didn't know that. No. So he just ignored I mean He's just ignoring the question, basically, right? He's just deflecting. I don't think Craig played the whole thing. Craig, go to the middle of it and play it right there. I have everybody. I have a ton of confidence in um in everyone in this building. Um, it's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football, and that's been something that we have not done, you know. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're just so your your angle is like he didn't explicitly back him it was the confident question how confident are you that he'll be back i'm confident everybody in this team um because i mean he was he was he was he was asked the question and i and i know he speaks in metaphors and soliloquies and similes and he only gives five to seven word answers to anybody in the media so it's like it's kind of tough to get into jalen hurts's head but like sometimes you kind of got to get out of the the Nick Saban school of rat poison and just give an answer to like back your guy. Like, I don't know what their relationship is like. Go ahead. No, he did that once. I don't know if people remember when um, I know you remember, but I don't know how many people listen and remember when McLean was asking him about it's like 2021, something he saw on a, on the field. And, you know, at the time it was like the narrative that he couldn't read defenses or see the field or anything like that he gave this incredibly detailed um like long answer about bracketing coverage and like what his reads were and like it was just this whole amazing paragraph explaining everything and it was like obviously a fuck you to the media for like <laughs> yeah you know he'd like telling them like yes this is how in-depth and detailed we are about it. i just don't tell you about that so i know that it's in there you know what i'm saying like i know he's capable of elaborating on that but he's always just 
that's always just what he's been at the podium. You know, I don't think anybody's ever going to get anything from him. You know, that's why I look at that. And I, like, I hear him say that and to me, it's like a not applicable, you know, like a N slash a, because that's what, that's what you're always going to get from him sitting at the, sitting at the podium, you know? So. Yeah. And I, and I don't think I'd put a lot of stock into it. Like I didn't put a lot of stock into the Dallas Goddard interaction on, on the sidelines with him. I think that happens all the time, whether the cameras catch it or not, but I didn't put a lot of stock in it. If I wouldn't have put a lot of stock in, excuse me, if, uh, if Tim McManus's report didn't come out, I felt like a lot of, a lot of coaches and a lot of players get in front of something before the game. Now that I look back on it, now that we've had 48 hours of digest, it looked like it was, it was either agents of players being like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk to McManus or coaches that knew they were on the hot seat being like, yeah, Nick just likes to call vertical routes. And sometimes he overrules Brian Johnson. And also Hertz isn't happy with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the, the offense right now. Um, here's a, here's a, I, I saw somebody say this on uh, Twitter. Um, yesterday or the day before uh, X, excuse me. Um, and it was that when Jeffrey Lurie, I'm trying to think of how they framed it. When Jeffrey Lurie fires coaches, he's kind of had like a really shitty year from start to finish to kind of like sit on it and think about it and stew on it. Right. Maybe it was less bone. Was it less bone? Um, so, you know, Doug's four win season, they were crap from the beginning. Right. So he had months to think about where he wanted to go with it. Chips last year, he traded everybody and they were crap, right? And mm -hmm. had time to think about it. Andy Reid's last season was a disaster too. So, I mean, in this case, Jeffrey Lurie isn't thinking anything about firing anybody or making any kind of change until they get to, to what, 10 and, 10 and 3, 10 and 4? And even then, it's like still a far-fetched thing. I mean, I don't think Jeffrey Lurie has really even had much time to digest even what the hell happened, let alone think about if they need a new coach or what that new coach would look like. Um, plus it's a weird coaching market this year. Anyway. I mean, Belichick is out there we think, and there's, you know, talk about Harbaugh coming, coming back to the NFL and, you know, I, you know a couple of decent coordinators, but there's a lot of openings and uh, it's almost like, you know, feels like if they're going to act, they would, if they're going to act on it, they'd have to act sooner rather than later. Same with the Cowboys too. I mean, Mike, no, nothing on Mike McCarthy. Yeah. So, but that makes me wonder that that if if they were going to keep Sirianni around, I think that would be something to consider. You know, the fact that like, oh shit, well, just two months ago, we didn't think we were going to have to do anything. Oh, did he lose his microphone? What happened here? Oh, he's muted. Sorry. No. Our our special guest just called. Oh, oh, he's on the phone. He's on the phone. Yeah, yeah. We didn't oh, get video. Do, oh, okay. I wanted to feel. I wanted to feel comfortable. Oh, this is his yeah his typical format for yeah. so like he's on he's on he's on mute right now so like yeah. I, he's on he's basically on hold you know I'm like the producer right now so okay Mary just called in do we want to do we want to bring him on we can bring him on are you so are you in the role of Jack Fritz right now I am in, I'm in the role of Jack Fritz right now yeah, bring him bring him on I'm, we can bring him on it's fine with me well Jack Fritz yesterday or Jack Fritz today because we don't know what happened with the Spike Eskin news is he uh, back to producer I guess he's going back to being a producer yeah. So, so I guess so. The future I am role. You're going back to the. You're going to Jack's future role, which was his old role. Yeah, before the interim thing. Okay. Well, yeah, All you right. can bring Chuck on. All right. Hey, we're going to Chuck from Mount Airy. Chuck, how are you? You're on Crossing Broadcast. What's going on, man? How you feeling, man? How you feeling, it's dude? As cold as a motherfucker out here, man. Yeah. See. See, he knows he can curse on this one, so like I can't, I can't, I, I can't dump you on that. Like that's an FCC violation on the other program, but I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, 
man, no problem, man. You reached out to me, so you know I'm a man of my word. I said I'll come on. I'm here at the Capitol Grill right now. Shout out to the Capitol Grill. I had a nice lunch. You know what I mean? I had a beer and a nice glass of scotch. Now I'm chilling now. He's like a villain. And it's cold as well. But how everybody out here doing? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to let you cook. All right. I'm going to give you 30 to 45 seconds to cook because you weren't able to cook last night. Does that sound good? Good, man. You know what I mean? Listen, let me tell you something. The reason why I called WIP yesterday, right? I want everybody to listen. You know, Jack Tech cut me off because I guess he's to have that, that seat. You know what I mean? He didn't know how to shut up and let Chuck Monnery speak. I guess he forgot how to rate the shot sky high in WIP. Not to toot my own horn, but it's some great callers that call that station that make their job a hell of a lot easier. Believe that. Cook. He's on mute. The reason why I felt the way I felt yesterday is four teams, all four of the teams suck. Okay, and I'm going to tell you who sucked. All right, and that's the Sixers who got eliminated. You know what I mean? And in the game six, you know, when they came back home after being up 3 2, it started there. In the Phillies, you know what I mean? What they did to us, you know, getting up on a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think he's at like 35 seconds right now. And then blowing that, you know. And then the Flyers, they starting to do good now, but they stunk for years. You know what I mean? I mean, the Philly don't deserve this. Now what the Eagles did. I hear you. You know, it's, 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 such, it's just such a shame that we got to stop here. We got to spend our hard-earned money to make these billionaires even richer. You know what I mean? By entering the gates, by buying the merchandise. And we only have how many championships to show for you know what I mean? The Sixers, they haven't won anything since 83. haven't sniffed a playoff berth, or I mean, I'm sorry, finals berth, since 2001. That's 23 years ago, man. You understand what I'm saying? Chuck, I, I, I hear you, man. And, and, and talk about Joel Embiid and he's 40 points and all that crap. I'm not impressed by that. Get me out of the second round and get me to a championship, and that's when the fuck I'll be impressed, man. Other than that, I haven't seen all that shit before. So people calling up WRP and all these other stations talking about what Joel did in the regular season, they ain't playing defense. Who gives a fuck? Get us to the NBA Finals, man. When is the championship? That's all we ask. He's definitely using his, his fucks wisely. Right. So that's what I was getting at yesterday. I got you. I got you. So you're frustrated. I'm frustrated, man. I hear you. I haven't seen the Sixers win a championship since I was a fucking kid yeah. in 1983. And these motherfuckers want to sit here and cut me off while I'm, while I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Chuck, I, I don't I don't want to be the next one to cut you off, but I, I let me ask you a question. We're good. So, do you think Bryce Harper was shocked of the exchange between you and Jack? He probably, he probably heard it. I mean, he, probably, I mean, he listens. I mean, I don't think that he was that shocked, to be honest with you, because he know how Chuck... Let me tell you something about Bryce Harper, right? Bryce Harper is a realist. I love Bryce Harper because he's a realist. I will never change who I am as being Chuck Mountary for anybody, for no man, and that's all due respect to Bryce. Bryce shouted me out. He did me a solid, and I love him for that. And I will ever be grateful for that. Will ever be grateful for that because, you know, it, it made me... You know, it made me a you know pretty a pretty good name in the city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I had pretty good calls before that, but he you know he really like you know he stamped it. You know what I mean? He Bryce Harper, Bryce yeah. freaking Harper. So he stamped it. You know what I mean? So I would forever be grateful for that. But Chuck from Mount Airy, and I'm gonna repeat this: will never change his stripe for anybody. I became who I am. You know what I'm saying? 
Because I, I am who I am. I became who I am. Do you have a question, Kev? I am who I am. I do. So yeah. I don't give a damn who likes what I say when I say it. One thing I'm going to do to you, I'm never going to lie to you. I'll lie for you before I lie to you. You know what I'm saying? And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to keep it a beam at all, all times. That's just who I am. I can't be no I love it. I, I love Bryce yeah. was attracted to that. And people said this, I shall. All right, I can kind of see why Jack Fritz cut him off. It's tough. It's tough to get a word in. I'll ask him a question if he can hear me. So I'm who I am. And if Bryce heard the exchange between me and Jack, listen, I'll, listen, I'll apologize to Jack yesterday, you know, privately. Because I shouldn't have got like that. I should just own the phone up. But Jack, you know, he did get under your skin in a way, man, that no other, man. And I got I got love for Jack. Mm-hmm. But Bryce knows. Bryce, Bryce knows, man. I've seen his temperament on the field, man. Okay. You know, so, you know, so man. Chuck, real quick. Sorry again to cut you off. Um, you Kev's got a question for you. No, I was just going to – you just said it right there, Chuck. You said that you apologized to Jack for, for cussing at him. I mean, they've been pretty good to you at WIP and on the the Marks and Reese show. Well, the show formerly known as the Marks and Reese show. I mean, they they have they have been good to you. Do you feel in hindsight like you like you should have told Jack to shut the fuck up? Hey, hey well, listen, let me tell you something, right? Here's the thing, right? They'd be good to me, but I'll also be good to them. If that makes any sense to you. You know what I mean? I'll also be good to them. Let's not get this misconstrued. And I don't need to go into detail about, about yeah. what I'm saying about that. But I'll also be good to them. Listen, let me tell you something. Johnny Marks and Ike Reese show was successful. And it wasn't successful because of Johnny Marks and Ike Reese, just because of them. They had a part in it. It was successful because of the people that actually called up there and make that show what it is. Oh, wow. So you think the callers are are why they're right, dominating right. 97.5 right now? Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> ain't no doubt about it. Listen, I think the callers are a very integral part into what they do. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I would never, listen, they do a great job over there. And they got Spike Eskin coming on. He's going to continue to do a great job. Yes, I do want to ask you that, Chuck. Do you think Spike Eskin will let you cook? Spike's a great guy. Spike loves me. His father, his father, his father, Coward Eskin, he's a coward. Wow. I mean, you know, obviously he don't want to, he wouldn't let me cook. You know what I mean? Never. You know, he just got a lot of jealousy in his heart. And, you know, he's just, he don't like nobody. That's yeah. what he is. I call him Kyle Webster, but Spike is okay with me. Spike is a good dude, and they're going to do well with Spike coming in. I know Spike will let me cook. If they ever let me back on the show again, they might not want to let me back on the show again because of what I said. Do you think but you're suspended? Have they told you anything about your update on your suspension? No, nobody has ever told anything to me about anything. Have you tried to call in I mean, today? I didn't try to call in because I don't need to try to call. Let me tell you something. Hold right? on. Will, will thing, you? Right? Will Sorry, sorry. Sorry to cut you off again. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Will you? Will you call in today? Probably not. I don't need. I don't have no reason to. Wow. So self-imposed I mean, I, suspension. You're actually suspending them when you start to think about it. Well, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not big enough to do that. You know I mean, I'm not suspending them. You know what I mean? You know, not, but I thought the callers were why they're dominating WIP in the rankings. wasn't a big part of what the show is, or OG Wade wasn't a big part of what the show is, or Yoshi wasn't a big part of what the show is. Or Mad Mike wasn't a big part of what the show is. My man, my man, my man, my man, uh, 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 Rios wasn't a big part. Do you want to ask him about the caller call rule? Us as callers are a big part of what that program is, okay? And I'm the biggest one of what that program is. And I ain't trying to toot my own horn. I'm keeping it real. So people like Kevin Kincaid, Kevin, I know you're listening. They don't want us to call up but once a week. It's a new era. It's a new time, buddy. You know what I mean? We're, listen, people love to listen to us. 
whether you like it or not, especially me. Kevin, can you can well, we're going to give Kevin a rebuttal? Uh, what he he because you obviously know he thinks that the rule should be uh, once a week, one call or once a week. Kevin, hold yeah. on a second. Hold on a second, Chuck. Yeah, no, just to reaffirm my stance, it's not an anti-Chuck from Mount Airy stance. It's not an anti-Rios stance. It's not an anti-OG Wade stance. Mad Mike is a dope, though, so, you know, I can do with less of him. But, no, I just think it's it's like it was the Marks and Reese show. You know what I'm saying? It's not the Chuck from Mount Airy show. So while I'm cool with hearing Chuck every so often, I didn't have to hear Chuck or Rios or any of those guys every day. You know what I'm saying? Is that fair, Chuck? That's my take. It's That's always been my take. Well, Kevin, listen, let me tell you something. Don't hate the play, hate the game. If they didn't want me calling up every day, they wouldn't allow me on the head. It's as simple as that. That's fair. That's a good that's a good rebuttal. And look, I've told John, I told John that, I told Ike that, I told Jack that. So I will see. I mean, we'll see what happens when Spike comes back. You know, we'll see if there's a different approach to it or not. You know, I mean, I'm curious as much as anybody, but uh, yeah, that's my stance. I want people to understand that stance. You know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, let me tell you something, man. I ain't never had a problem with you, man. Actually, you know, you mentioning me, hey, my day, I ain't gonna lie to you. But here's the thing, right? Rod Lakin, the brand manager, he knows the deal. He knows the deal. This show is the hottest show. You know, Johnny March Nightmare's show, you know, Johnny left on top. You know yeah, I mean? Not many people leave on top. We talked about that earlier. Yeah, I mean, Johnny left on top, man. That show, that show ratings were sky high. You yeah. know what I mean? And let me, and let me tell you something, right? I hear you, brother, and that's how we're going to end it, Chuck. I appreciate you calling, my man, and, and giving your side of the story. You have a great rest of the day, all right? Hey, no doubt. Be safe. I appreciate hey, you. Be safe. Chuck from Mount Airy, live from Capitol Grill. Shout out, to, shout out to Chuck from Mount Airy, Capitol Grill money. Is that where he said he was? He was drinking scotch at Capitol Grill? I didn't know if he said he was drinking scotch. It's twelve forty-two, and yeah, oh, I thought I said I thought I heard him say he poured a glass of scotch earlier or something like that. Well, shout out to Chuck from Mount Avenue. He's drinking scotch at twelve forty-two. I actually yeah. like that. It's it's funny. He he uh, he tried to charge us one hundred fifty dollars for that interview. <laughs> <laughs> I negotiated him down to twenty dollars for the video. Yeah, true negotiator. I, the people understand though, right? I mean, I needed to clarify that. I'm not. My stance has always been like pro Tom Bigby. Uh, well, not pro Tom Bigby, but pro once per week, once on the weekends. Because like what I told John and all those guys when I used to call in, it was like, it's the Marks and Reese show, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the Chuck from Mount Airy show. When they show the poster, when they show you the graphics and the imagery, it's John, it's Ike, and it's Jack, right? So yeah. I, I agree that the callers, the way that the, the show is currently programmed, I agree that they're a big part of it. But again, I, I don't, my personal preference is that I prefer a, uh, fewer callers i like the once per week once on the weekend yeah but it was never really you know we do this stuff on the site like chucks and dope and you know <coughs> i think people like actually in the comment the commenters people actually thought like if you and chuck air chuck from mount airy would run into each other on broad street there mm-hmm. would be like fisticuffs like they couldn't believe that we were having him on like we were having like some like <laughs> Some like uh, insane conservative, no. like Nazi YouTuber on right now. Like that's how like that's almost as bad as the comments were underneath the Chuck from Mount Airy video. This is all uh, entertainment, folks. This is all just fun. Just relax. Yeah, there's only there's only like two people that if I we saw each other on the streets in Philadelphia media that it would they would end in like fisticuffs. I like to think we're a pretty chill in person, you know. Like it's not. It was never a like 
you know, I, well, we'll do the tongue and cheek thing. Chuck's a dope. I, I do really believe that Mad Mike is a dope and Ingy is a dope. If I didn't have to hear from those guys ever again, that'd be perfectly fine. But yeah, it was like it was not a it was not necessarily an anti Chuck take. It was an anti too much of Chuck take. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't need to hear it. It got to the point where like these guys, these regular callers on on John and Ike show, they were calling at like the same time every day, like when they would get off work or they'd be in the car or something like that. So I was at the same intersection picking my coming home from picking my kid up. I'd be like the corner of 309 in Sellersville. And it's like, let's go to Ingy because Ingy would fucking call up at the same time every day. It was like clockwork. When you get Chuck? when you get to the point where it's like clockwork, I'm like, all right, well, maybe we got to do something different. You know? so. Chuck's an entertainment factory, man. That, that guy makes me laugh. When he did the video, I was laughing the whole time when I was posing. I was like, this is amazing. Like he he I thought he was like, you know, maybe it was a pent up like, you know, uh, a fake like act kind of. Hmm. I think you get Chuck from Mount Airy, whether it's 10 in the morning, whether it's 1230 or whether it's calling into WIP. Like, I think Chuck from Mount Airy is probably given the bartender at Capitol Grill an earful over the Eagles, Sixers, Flyers and uh, and uh, and whatever other. Uh, yeah, but see now if Chuck wants to be somebody and he wants to leverage this and turn it into something, he's got to he's got to go out on his own. He's got to be a creator. He's got to come up with a YouTube channel. He needs why to his ratings are at WIP. Yeah, right. Because the ratings are at WIP are are because of the callers. But if it's, a, right, if it's about him, if it's about him and Rios and OG Wade and all those guys, and they're the reason for the success, then go start an Instagram account or start this and that, and the we'll find horsemen. out. Yeah, we'll the find four out. horsemen. The four horsemen. Yeah, Chuck, OG Wade. Rios and maybe like Black Gritty or somebody. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The people are asking, by the way, like Ford is really annoyed by this because he's he so been asking to come on the show for forever. And he's like, how does Chuck from Mount Airy get on before? before? <laughs> Got to pay your dues. <laughs> Got to pay your dues, Ford. <laughs> what do we want to talk about for the final 15 minutes? You want to talk about the Sixers? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I was on someone else's podcast last night, so I kind of watched it with half an eye. But um, everything I saw was uh, was Joel Embiid was awesome like uh yeah i mean is there is there more to take from that i mean the 30 and 10 streak is continuing i just well a different 30 and 10 last night but um i i just um you know when they when they uh kind of lost the lead at the third quarter there it was like a 15 to 2 run or something like that uh i didn't I've, i felt nothing because I knew that Joel was coming back into the game. And I was like, you know, they're going to run out their staggered lineup in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter. And Tobias Harris, who's been playing really well lately, you know, hit a couple buckets to kind of keep that stable. And then Joel comes in at like the 730 mark in the fourth quarter. He hits his four straight shots or whatever, you know. And um, it's just funny to me because, they, they, you know, he says after the game, it's like everybody makes everybody's made such a big deal about the Embiid and Jokic thing over the year Embiid, Jokic and Embiid, Jokic. They love, and they love each other. They do. And every time they play against each other, they tell, they talk afterwards and say, I love your game and I love your game. It's, it's just, I don't know. Like the juxtaposition of like the hottest argument on, on the NBA for like the last three years running means absolutely nothing to either one of those guys. And they're both completely unassuming too. Isn't that the funny thing too, that Embiid probably went home and like, you know, played FIFA and Jokic doesn't even really care about winning. He went to McGillens. <laughs> he went to McGillens after the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, it's just, but it's just funny too. And like you know, but um, I think it's like uh, what's fascinating to me, man, is like would would we all be in agreement that the Sixers are overachieving this year relative to what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year? Say that again. We think that the Sixers are overachieving relative to what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. 
Yeah, they're they were at an all time like people forget they were at like an all time like low. But that but that being said, where does overachieving this year get them? It gets them back to third place in the East, and yeah. you know behind Milwaukee and Boston. So in a in a grotesque kind of way, it's like I they're likable. Aren't we? Pep Bev, you got Kelly Oubre coming back from being allegedly hit by a car. You got Joel Embiid, who is like on an historic run of, for the ages. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really think they they build a very likable, very tough, very more Philly s team, a bunch of underdogs. Mark, Mark um, Morris is back. He's getting the key to the city. I don't know. Yeah, I you know what somebody said in the chat. It's that they're um, where is it here? These, uh, I lost it, but yes, it's, they're in the same spot, but they're likable. Mm-hmm. Difference. <laughs> Likeability in the city yeah. so far. I mean, we're talking about the process Sixers who won 10 games and people still talk about TJ McConnell and re- revere him like he was, uh, Bob Cousy. So, yeah, I mean, that's really the only difference. They have over, they're overachieving this year and they're in the same damn spot that they were last year in the spot that nobody wants them to be. Yeah. But the difference is you like this team and they got assets. We hated the team, you know? Yeah, and they got and they have they have assets. They kind of have like a blueprint for the path forward. Um, you don't know if Daryl's going to do it this year or Daryl's going to, you know, maybe try to go get somebody in the off season. Um, but yeah, I, I think the likability factor is is huge because they were very unlikable. Uh, James Harden very unlikable. Joel Embiid continuing to go to the second round becomes very unlikable. Um, Tobias Harris very unlikable. The arena debate very unlikable. Like there wasn't anything that was like positive surrounding this team, and and shout out to Daryl, man. I know Daryl gets a lot of heat. I'm not really a Daryl hater, but uh, he's turned this team around, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, is it does all that favorability fall out after they uh, they don't get past the second round? Because once again, they like you said, they are third in the conference. We'll find that out. But for now, they beat the defending champs on the night of a back to back. Um, so you kind of just you know, you kind of just have to enjoy it, right? Like Embiid's have yeah. like this thing with watching Embiid and stuff, and you get frustrated, you know, by the Sixers. I've kind of just started watching Embiid and just enjoying it because I know twenty years from now, thirty years from now, we're still going to be talking about him. Yeah. So, like, yeah, let's let's, and I know this is hard to tell Sixers fans, but like, let's let May and June and April, let's let that play out. Just like, at least in the back of your mind, you can obviously criticize the Sixers, and you know, or you can give the Sixers their flowers, but. And but in the back of your mind, just just have it known that like what you're watching is you're watching one of the best athletes of all time that's ever put a uh, a Philly sports uniform on. Yeah, counterpoint to or not counterpoint, but to add to that point, like uh, you know, I did that rant and posted it on our Twitter account when the Eagles were like eight and one or something like that, saying try to enjoy it now because this doesn't happen very often. Well, then four weeks later, they completely fell apart. <laughs> so, all right, I hope you enjoyed it while it was good. It was good, you know? Yeah, I did but, enjoy it. That 10 and one star was fun. Yeah. The last six yeah. weeks, seven weeks sucked, but, you know. That's why I good. rant. That's why I rant so much about the Miserables and about the Seth Joyner thing, because it's like, okay, so you're miserable when they win and you're miserable when they lose. Congratulations, you've been miserable the entire year, mm-hmm. you know? So if I don't want the Sixers playoff shortcomings to kind of, you know, just trump people's enjoyment of what Joel Embiid is doing and the way that he's playing right now. Cause we've never seen anybody in Philadelphia do anything like this before. We've never seen anybody in the NBA do anything like this before, not at his size and, and all of that. I, you know, I think it's interesting because I think the Flyers and the Sixers are both really similar this year. They're both ahead of where we thought they would be relative to expectations coming up on a trade deadline where people kind of 
fence sitting about, you know, guys like Tobias Harris and, you know, do you flip somebody like, uh, like Nick Sealer for assets or do you keep him around now? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think there's really consensus on that. And, uh, but you both, but it comes down to with the fly, I'm the same way with the Flyers that you are with the Sixers, where you just said about just watching it and trying to enjoy it for what it is without, you know, without, you know, muddying the waters with like these, well, you know, are they a Stanley Cup contender now or should they move this guy now or are they ahead of the, you know, timeline in the rebuild? Are they behind the timeline? You know, they got to stick to the, well, you know, this is why we watch and, and enjoy, you know, and, you know, I think if you're always thinking about that kind of stuff, then you kind of sound like Jalen Hurts here or something, but you're not li- really living in the moment. You know what I mean? So if we, if we're going to keep like looking, just, just, you know, guessing what's going to happen in April and May, perhaps, and, you know, not even just sort of watching and enjoying. Now there's really no excuse for it anymore. You could say that when the Eagles were playing, like, you know, all right, I don't have the time and the attention for these other two teams, but they're both worth watching every single night. There's somebody that listens to this that is the most pessimistic person in the world. It might be Ford. Um, And they are just like, this conversation absolutely sucks. There's just way too much optimism right now after the birds lose 32 to nine and the Sixers are just where they used to be, where they are, where they're used to be. Um, Uh, Yeah, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It's fascinating to me. It's just they're in the same exact spot, but people like the team versus hating the team. Yeah. No, but so you did, but you didn't go anywhere. I mean, I guess that makes all the difference. I don't. I don't know. It's a. It's a very interesting philosophical discussion. You know? Yeah. Uh, do you want to do anything on Spike coming back? I mean, we got seven minutes. Probably the biggest media news. Um, so, well, I can say uh, that nobody. I can say that nobody at WIP had a clue. We talked to a couple of people over there, and no, but nobody had it. Nobody had any idea what was going on. And you know, Spike like, was a manager in New York at the time, so I'm sure it was just handled. You know, it's a very high level kind of thing. But I mean, the question really to ask is how how much is um, how much of it is Spike wanting to come back here and wanting to be on the radio again versus uh, things working out or not working out in New York versus the necessity of even having him up there or not? Yeah, apparently we have have a lot of plugged in um, from our old sister site, ESNY. Uh, people from New York. It sounded sound like the ratings were really well, but some were, were really good. But some people who were listeners were not happy about the uh, the hiring decisions. Um, yeah. it, it went. It, it felt like it went sideshow act, and that's funny coming from me as I have Chuck from Mount Airy on the uh, on the program twenty minutes ago. <laughs> um, but but uh, it sounded like it was uh, with like Marash and some other guys they hired. They just weren't really. Uh, it just didn't feel like the W fan that people grew up loving. It felt like it was like, all right, let's just deliver this hot take, whether we believe it or not. They also stepped in a lot of shit with the Jets this year. There were like fake reports from Tiki, um, yeah. Rob Sala and stuff that like really pissed off a lot of people. There were some other things that went down. Um, I just, I don't know. Um, here's here's my thought on the whole thing. Like Spike, he's very polarizing. Some people like him. Some people hate him. Um, but he's talented. He's talented in the radio. He's talented in the podcast. Um, I don't listen, so I will not listen either way. They could have hired, you know, anybody, and I still probably would have listened the same amount that I do, zero. Um, I just feel I feel bad for Jack Fritz. Uh, I, I know some people were like, he's too he's too green still to put his put his ass in that chair yet, but why not get him the reps while you're kicking the shit out of the competitor? Like, I know they're saying it's going to be a three-headed monster. Maybe he goes back to producer. 
But I like Jack. Always have like Jack, even though, you know, I was doing this whole bit with Chuck from Mount Airy. But if you want him to get him the reps because you think he's too green, once again, you're kicking 97.5's ass. No one's going to turn the dial because of, I mean, some people will turn the dial because of Spike and they'll come right back. I just don't know why you wouldn't let him get the reps now. I, I, his his tweet after the announcement was showtime with a period. I, I think that was, uh, that didn't look like the most excitable tweet in my mind. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but maybe, uh, maybe Jack, I, you know, I, I would assume he would want PM drive. If somebody would not want PM drive, that would be a surprise to me. But um, yeah, again, it's another like internal kind of, kind of higher promotion. Right. I mean, like they're, they're, um, you know, their uh, strategy, I guess, over the last couple months is all like internal replacements, you know, Joe and jo- uh, Joe to Cameron, John Ritchie replaced Angelo, Joe Giglio replaced the midday show. Hugh Douglas came from another Odyssey station. Spike was still with Odyssey too. And, you know, with the bankruptcy, obviously they're not going out and you know hiring, pick a name, Mike Golick to come in and do WIP. So maybe this is the thing. You know, maybe it, maybe it checks two boxes. Maybe it kills two birds with one stone because maybe WFAN doesn't even need a program director. You know, and maybe they just have somebody else kind of handle it. You know, kind of cut that job, cut that salary, and have uh, Spike fill the role of a departure and save some money at the same time. I don't know. I don't know if WFAM was a failure or not. I, I will say though, that like New York doesn't really respond to crossing broad and, and barstoolish kind of stuff the way that Philadelphia does. New York's kind of like old school and a little stuffy and uh, <clears throat> I don't know, big like baseball town. So when Spike came up there and, you know, was doing his, you know, sp- spikeifying to the station for lack of a better word. I mean, like the response to that was mixed because you know, it's a station that had like, you know, uh, you know, Francesa and like Mad Dog for forever. You know what I mean? And they weren't, those weren't hot take guys. You know what I mean? Um, different. Maybe it didn't, maybe the WIP stuff didn't fit WFAN as much. It'll be interesting. Something to consider. Yeah. I don't know. Did they say when he's starting though? I didn't hear anything about like a, when, when is Spike supposed to be on the radio? I don't, I don't know. The only thing that I saw that was interesting, Marshan reported that uh, Spike, was part of an effort to try to convince Marks to stay. Marks hated that fucking commute. <laughs> yeah. There's no one who hated commuting more than Johnny Marks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I you know. I don't I don't know. I mean Sp- and Spike, yeah, Spike hired um John Marks, so for sure. I mean, I'm I'm sure he would have wanted him to stay. Um I, you know, the thing is, too, I think people probably remember that Spike was, um, you know, Spike did some nights solo for a little bit um, after he left WYSP. Let's say that was like uh, 20. When did YSP flip? Like 2011 or something like that. I want to say 2012, 2013. He did some solo stuff. And then, um, you know, he, he did that short stint with uh, Hollis Thomas and uh, Josh Innes where they had a three person thing going. Oh, yeah. And then Andy Bloom got. I can't remember when Andy Bloom got canned, but then Spike took over as pro- program director. And Spike really straightened things out at WIP and got them going again and got them winning, winning again. So what yeah. he did, you can like it or not like it, but what he did, what he did here worked, and yeah. um, that was kind of the genesis for WIP smashing Fanatic now. We'll also need uh, all our Spike tweets sent to us because we are blocked on um, platforms. So if, if someone yeah. in the chat could do that to us, are you are you blocked too? Is your account blocked? I don't think I'm blocked. So actually, if you just send them to me. Oh, okay. Right. I don't think he's found me yet. Um, was your before you got whacked on Twitter? Was your old account blocked before you? No, he he followed me on my old account. Yeah. I guess he 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 liked me at least a little bit, um, to my knowledge. I mean, he uh, did I catch a did I catch a stray here? 
maybe I did. But if you could send me um, any interesting or tweets from uh, from Spike or the ratings or stuff, if you if, if you think Kevin should be uh, should be notified, yeah, please send let us know. DM. Yeah, we need eyes and ears everywhere. Spike blocked me around the time that I was asking for uh, when I was. Um, <clears throat> when I heard rumors about Mike Golick, about them wanting to talk to Mike Golick. Got it. So I just asked like both of them on Twitter. I was like, Hey, are, are you guys coming back to WIP? And they both said no. And then like, I discovered I was blocked by spike. So I don't know. Maybe that means there was something to it, but I don't know. I don't have anything against spike. No. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Whatever happened to the mute button. I'm not a block guy. No. I don't give anyone the satisfaction of being blocked. Oh, my favorite one used to be the uh, the quick block and unblock. So it just makes them unfollow you. Oh. And then they just don't see your stuff anymore, you know? So that way you're not being an asshole, really, but you're just, like, removing, you know, hmm. them from your feed, really, I guess, in a, in a roundabout way, you know? So. That's a pretty. Old trick. Old trick, yeah. That's, that's pretty pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a really good, it's a really good social media trick. Mm-hmm. I think I thought you were losing a step. Not you. Not you. No, I'm almost 40, man. I, the social media is not really my bag anymore. You know, I gotta gotta update my uh, my skill set with all that. You know, so anything else uh, pressing matters before we get going? You think uh, not really? Think Sirianni will still be the head coach by the time we're talking on Monday. Somebody was. I was. People in here were going. Brian Johnson was fired like during the Chuck segment. I don't know if that was a diversion to try to get us to hang up on Chuck or something. Brian Johnson definitely was not fired. So that was fake news. Um, no, I'm working on another big like inquirer thing. So hopefully I can have that done at some point in the future. Um, otherwise, yeah, you know, the Eagles are done. That means the Flyers season and the Sixers seasons have officially begun, Pagan. Hold on, because it seems like people actually are. Oh, give me one second before. I didn't see anything. No, they can't. They can't part with him because if he gets a head coaching job, then they get a third round pick. That'd be stupid to part with him right now. Yeah, they're gonna wait for him to get his head coaching interviews out of the way and stuff, and then like, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. Fake news being spread by the Crossing Broadcast chat. Yeah. I, I just and also before we get out of here, Ford, we're gonna get you on, buddy. All right, I apologize. All right, I apologize. We had our guest on, like Chuck. We'll get you on, bud. I appreciate it. All right, we we love you as a loyal listener. I saw you in the chat a little bit screaming, so I just wanted to address you, buddy. All right? Love you. Luke says Eagles Nation put out a joke tweet, and people took it as serious. Uh, Sean says, when's the next Always Soccer? Always Soccer is on ice right now. We're on temporary hiatus. So we're hanging the um, jersey in memoriam. Yeah. Just, I don't have time or the energy. I mean, that team's not spending any money or doing anything anyway. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll get Curtin on at some point to tell us what's going on here. Yeah. But yeah. hey, thanks everybody. Listen, appreciate y'all coming on. Thank you to Chuck from Mount Airy for coming on. Um, and we will talk to you.